You know what it is. That's right. It's time to talk money with your money nerd and financial coach. Now, tighten those purse strings and open those ears. It's the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. So today I have James Woodall on the line. Now, James is the owner of Woodall Wealth Management. He started at a well-known mutual fund and brokerage firm where he talked to thousands of clients and hundreds of thousands of accounts, and that allowed him to see what worked and what didn't. So he decided, you know what, I'm going to just do this on my own and designed a firm to serve successful families looking for advisors that want to build a deep relationship with and understand their needs. So I'm super excited to have James on. He's also a CFP, so we'll definitely get into some investment topics. But thank you so much, James, for getting on the line today. Absolutely. When we were talking just a little bit before, we got into behavioral investing. Now, I feel like this is a topic that my audience probably doesn't hear quite often or know what that even means. So I guess we'll just start there. What is behavioral investing? Yep. So the way I look at behavioral investing is simply managing your decision making through a investment strategy. And what I mean by that is I've come up with six steps essentially that are very straightforward, sometimes hard to follow because, hey, we're people. And you can follow these steps to go through. And typically when you follow these steps, you'll end up in a much better position than your neighbors will be because you'll get better real life returns by following these types of steps. Very interesting. Of course, we want to hear these steps. So what is step (laughs) number one (laughs) when it comes to behavioral investing? Absolutely. And so when we look at these, this is a very high level. Step number one is having just simply faith in the future. Probably something you wouldn't think to hear, but if you look at it, we, we look at the market today, right? We are in a bear market today. The S&P 500 is down 20%, so it's the definition of a bear market. Now, if you think that the market is going to continue to get worse, you may be missing opportunities to buy those high quality mutual funds, ETFs, companies, et cetera, to buy those. So what I, and a good example of this is over the long term, things get so much better. A good example is look at health. In fact, look at the average life expectancy. In the 1900s, it was, I believe, 47 years old or so. In 1945, just in 40 years, that jumped up to 62 years old. And then in 2000, the average life expectancy was 78. So in the span of, let's just say, a century for round numbers, life expectancy grew 35 years, which with times of Neanderthals, it took 35,000 years to get to. So when we think about how the future is getting, it truly is getting better. And I'm also a believer that's getting better at an exponential rate. Mm-hmm. I definitely so I say agree faith with in the that. future. Absolutely. And I guess for people that don't let emotions get in the way, we look very long term. So I actually, while you were saying that, I'm like, dang, there's some stuff sitting in cash I want to invest now because (laughs) it's like if you miss, I know there's a stat out there. If you miss the best X amount of days in the market, the return is like tremendously different. Yeah, I, I used to have that. So if I remember right, it was if you miss from like 1980 to today, 
And if you miss the five best days in the market, which by the way, no one knows what's going to happen. If they say they know, they're, they're lying. No one truly knows. When, that, when you miss the five best days, I believe is if you put in $1,000, you have, I don't know, let's say a million dollars. But if you miss the five best days, it was down to $700,000 by missing five days. If you miss the 10 best days, it was like $500,000 would be your total return. And then if you miss the best 50 days in the market, your $1,000 that would be a million dollars was, I think, $45,000 from 50 days of all of those years. So continue to have faith in the future, keep investing. And that's the next step comes in, which is being patient. Hey, the, it's a tough time right now. We have a lot of news coming out. So step number two, I always tell everyone is just be patient. It's hard. I don't know when things are going to get better. I just know that they are going to get better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And just really quick, get out, ignore the noise. I don't even pay attention like that. I'm just like, ooh, sale. Let me <laughs> buy some things because it's like at the end of the day, you don't know what's going to happen. But like you said, it never fails. It will always go up. The market will always go up. So the economy does this on a regular basis. I think more people are paying attention now just because it's getting more airplay. But this happens like once every few years. At the end of the day, long term, be patient. What's our third step? Yeah, step number three is being disciplined. So it's being invested, having a plan saying, hey, I'm going to invest 100, 200, 300,000, whatever on the first of the month, no matter what is going on in the world, you're putting that money in. Also, you're buying not the, what's the new exciting thing this week? Who's selling me what? You're buying the good quality investments. A good example is Bitcoin right now. Everyone was talking about Bitcoin this year and last year. Everyone's real excited about it. Well, they seem to be pretty quiet right now. Very quiet. Yeah, so buy those good quality things because you want to keep investing in things that have always worked, continue to work. Yeah, I always try to avoid quoting Buffett, but he's just so easy to quote. He said that if you could only invest 12 times in your life, you're going to have a much different strategy than you are if you're investing, buying what's here, buying what's exciting there, following the meme stocks. So be disciplined in your investing, keep putting money in, and that is what truly will build that wealth. Absolutely. And to quote Buffett again, <laughs> because Buffett's <laughs> awesome, but he's, he also said, don't invest in anything that you don't understand. He doesn't invest in anything he doesn't understand. And so that's another thing that I live by. So when it came to the cryptocurrency and stuff, like I understand it to a certain extent, but I'm like, mm, stocks are based on fundamentals. Fundamentals are based on real numbers and books and things like that. And so I'm like, I have a little more faith in that versus if somebody just says, ooh, I'm going to mine some coins today. I'm like, I don't understand <laughs> quite how that's going to work. Just another Buffett exactly. quote. Exactly. Right NFTs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, all right. So we have look long term. <laughs> Be patient, be disciplined. What is our fourth? I think we're on the fourth. Yep, so number four is asset allocation. So what ratio of stocks, bonds, and cash do you need to be successful? And this is one that typically comes down to where I, I, I'm a firm believer in working with a professional to find out what that ratio can be. Most firms may have a little bit difference of a variance, but you'll sometimes hear, uh, I have a 60-40 stock portfolio. That's 60% stocks. 40% bonds. And they did a study years ago that basically said that the greatest indicator of wealth is how often you stay 
in that asset allocation. And if you think about it, because if the more stocks you have, the more ups and downs you're going to have. And the more you can handle those ups and downs, the more risk tolerant you are because you have more, let's say, faith in the future. Maybe you can't handle all those ups and downs, so you have a greater amount of cash and bonds compared to the stocks. So that's when I say, what's, if you ask what's right for me, work with a professional, find someone that you trust to give you a good ratio that works for you, your risk tolerance, and your time horizon. Typically, what we say is the closer the time horizon, the less risk you need to take on for whatever that goal or that use of those investments are for. Yes, yes. I'm so glad you said that because a lot of people just think, oh, yeah, I want to invest and just go all in with stocks. But it's important to make sure that you have a balance there. So like you said, you can have a hedge against some ups and downs because you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket for sure. So what is our... Exactly. Yeah. What is our step? So five is, I'm having to make my notes too, is a diversification. And so this is one that everyone always talks about, but I don't know if we ever truly talk about what it means and why we talk about it. So when you think about diversification, think this, that I don't want to own enough of one, one thing to make a killing, and I don't want to own one, enough of one thing to get killed by. So we think about all the crypto bros. I love calling them that because it just seems to always be the case, is they owned only crypto, and they were making a killing then they got killed by it. Same thing happens with diversification. So if you're buying stocks, okay, are you buying a whole bunch of one company? Are you buying a whole bunch of one fund? Are you buying two funds that are actually the same fund with different names? So you really do need to dig into that. And even look even further, if we look at the bond market, we have bonds in the U.S. right now that are struggling because as interest rates rise, bond prices drop. Well, in other parts of the world, it's the opposite that's happening. Interest rates are dropping there, so as bond prices are rising. So you want to be invested in not just the U.S., even stocks and bonds, but also the rest of the world as well. A good example today is the euro is worth $1. It used to be the euro was worth $1.20, et cetera, et cetera. So your dollar now has much, gone much further than what you were buying and investing in in Europe just last two years. So that's why we want that diversification across not just sectors and companies and investments, but across the world and in that stocks and bonds. Yeah. And just to bring up another interesting stat that I had learned over the years was that during the 2008-2009 crisis, even though the U.S. was struggling, people that were diversified in international stocks, they actually didn't take that much of a hit. So that's another like point is that even when the U.S. is doing horrible, there might be other stocks across seas or wherever that are doing better. So that just goes to your point as well. Diversify, 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 but don't diversify too much to where is no point. <laughs> kind of like what you said, when you have two funds that are the same thing. <laughs> exactly. It's a dance. Let's call it what it is. It's a dance finding that right amount of diversification. If you really go in the weeds, you want to have, I've seen people that will do accounts where if one thing's growing, one thing's losing money because when the cycle shifts, the opposite is true. Absolutely. Or those that are growing are now struggling. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, we have, <laughs> and please correct me if I'm wrong, we have <laughs> keep an eye on the, you have faith in the future, 
Be patient. Mm -hmm. Looking back, we've already gone over five of them, right? So it's faith in the future, and it's in this order for a reason. So faith in the future, being patient, being disciplined, your asset allocation, your diversification, and the final one is rebalancing. And rebalancing is a very interesting one because as we have different investments, as the cycles change from a early, mid, late recession cycle, certain companies will do better. So a good example right now is energy companies are crushing it this year. Everyone else is hurting. So a few years ago is the exact opposite. So we rebalance every year. And when we rebalance, we go back to that asset allocation. Where were we? Because things are going to grow at a different rate. And there's a study by Vanguard that said it doesn't matter if you do it once a year, twice a year, by percentage of gains and losses. It doesn't matter. As long as you do it consistently throughout time, the same day, no matter what is happening, does not matter. Keep hammering that home. No matter what is happening, keep rebalancing the same day the same time period each and every year. And that will help you grow long-term. That will help you as things tend to grow differently, different rates. will give you a much better advantage over the course of your lifetime. Now, I'm, I'm so glad you said that because that just like peaked something with my own portfolio because I used to like actually have it in my calendar where I would do it once every six months. But I noticed that I have not gotten that alert. So I don't know when the last time is that I rebalance. So with that being said, what do you think? And I know it just depends, but should we be doing this once a year once every couple of years, twice a year, what would the typical rebalancing schedule look like? At a minimum, I've always seen once a year. That's the minimum that I've always seen. I've always heard. That's how I've been taught. When we look at where are you investing at, some firms are going to charge fees, some funds charge fees. So it depends on the cost of rebalancing. And you may think, hey, I don't want to pay $10 to rebalance. Okay, we think about that time frame, that exponential growth over the long term. $10 may be a little bit more, excuse me, today, but over time, that's going to be nothing, and you need to keep building that good habit. That $10 could be just a good habit builder to say, okay, if I'm willing to spend $10 when the market's down low to rebalance, that's putting you ahead of folks already. Because if you don't rebalance, what's going to happen over time is as you start pulling in that income, you're going to start pulling in from maybe those one, those major gainers or those major losers and the opportunity cost that you missed out on by not rebalancing will drag your long-term returns down and it'll actually take the principle of your portfolio down as well. Yes, that is a very good point. That is a very good point. So even if you don't have a professional in your corner, which we highly recommend, but if you don't, just make sure you keep these tips in mind because even those DIYers, people that do it yourself, all of these things are super important. So definitely keep that in mind. Now, James, if people were interested in learning out... <laughs> nope. So James, if people were interested in learning more about you or your firm, where would they be able to reach out? The best way to get a hold of me is either one, give me a phone call. It's 214-281-4496 is my phone number. I love talking on the phone. Another good place to go is my website. It's woodallwealthmanagement.com. It's all one major word. It's W-O-O-D-A-L-L, wealthmanagement.com. 
Awesome. Awesome. And we'll make sure we have all of that in the show notes. So if you're doing something else, don't worry. We got you. Just check out those show notes and you'll have all the information there. So thank you so much, James, for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you, Tiff, for having me. I really appreciate it. Hope I can come back on. Absolutely. All right. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening, joining, and being a part of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast this week. You can check Tiff out every Thursday for a new Money Talk podcast. But if you just can't wait until next week, you can listen to previous podcast episodes at moneytalkwitht.com or follow Tiff on all social media platforms at moneytalkwitht. Until next time, spend wise by spending less than you make. A word to the money wise is always sufficient.